The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Then Jesus looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven. For that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. But I say to you that listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus said, but I say to you who listen. Were you listening? How's it going? You know, Jesus here says, do to others as you would have them do to you. It's a familiar saying. One that you've been raised with, I'm sure. Uh, one that uh, I grew up learning was the golden rule. Our parents taught it. Our grandparents, our teachers, our Sunday school teachers, our pastors. We have been told about this golden rule for how to live as God's people. Do to others as you would have them do to you. But this is just a summary statement of quite a list that Jesus gives us, and it is quite a list. In fact, it's one of the hardest statements that Jesus makes to us, starting off with this, but I say to you that listen, love your enemies. I, you know, this l comes up in the lectionary every three years. And even on the Sundays uh, that it's come up that I haven't preached on the gospel lesson and it's just been read for people to hear, inevitably there will be someone who comes to me and says to me, Pastor, how can I do that? How can we do that indeed? To love 
our enemies, to do good to those who hate us, to pray for those who persecute, who abuse us. This ranks up there as one of the hardest teachings that Jesus gives us. How are we supposed to love our enemies, our real enemies? Love them? It's the furthest thing from our mind. But it is what Jesus tells us to do. It might be some comfort to know that when Jesus tells us, love your enemies, he is speaking as the Bible speaks really throughout the, the whole of Scripture, insofar as that love is not primarily or even ever spoken of as feeling warm feelings for Jesus does not tell us, love your enemies, and thereby expect us to to feel good feelings toward those who hurt us. That's not how the Bible speaks of love. Love, as the scriptures speak, as God describes it, is not a feeling. It's an action. And I think that is helpful to us. To know that we can love in action even if we're not feeling it. (laughs) But even so, uh, love is a challenging word for us. Uh, It's a bit amorphous. You can kind of do what you want with the word. Uh, And so it helps if we would have a, a biblical definition of love. And, and God is happy to provide us with it. Uh, we had a couple weddings uh, here uh, this, uh, this fall, and this passage was selected uh, as, the, as the reading for it. It often is for weddings. Uh, it's not exclusively a wedding text, but 1 Corinthians chapter 13 uh, really is a, a chapter of love. In fact, the, in this New Revised Standard Version, the whole chapter has the title, The Gift of Love. It's certainly appropriate for a wedding, but it's appropriate for all of life. And in this chapter, we are given a definition of love. And starting with verse 4, St. Paul writes, Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It's helpful to hear love described for us. What does love look like in action? Looks like exercising patience. Looks like responding with kindness, yes, even to those who are spewing curses at us. Uh, It looks 
like speaking the truth, right? Rejoicing in the truth, not rejoicing in wrongdoing. In other words, love is good. And it's living in goodness. That's, that's what love is. That's what Jesus means when he says, love your enemies. When he says to us, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You know, but even, even saying that love is patient, love is kind, uh, it can still be maybe a little vague. It can, you know, leaves it for us to fill in the blanks of, well, what does that look like? You know, Jesus uh, once was asked, what is the most important commandment? What's the greatest of all of them? And he says, it is this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Again, there, he's not talking primarily about feelings. (laughs) We feel warm feelings toward God. He's saying to show God you love him in action. But Jesus also says that there's a second commandment that's right up there with it. That's to love your neighbor as yourself. And again, this is to love in action. And both of those are drawn from the Scriptures, from Deuteronomy and from Leviticus. And Jesus is saying, and did say, that those two laws, in them, they sum up everything there is. All of the laws are summed up in those two. Love God, love your neighbor. And, uh, and really then, you know, to get very specific about it, uh, you know, we can start digging into some of those commandments and we can see how then we are to, to live out this life of love that Jesus calls us to, that he says is, is so great. Uh, I would invite you to turn in your hymnals uh, to... Uh, the small catechism, it's on page 1,160, the small numbers in the, at the very bottom of the page, in the back of the book, 1,160, 1160. We have the small catechism here, and, uh, and Martin Luther started off uh, his small catechism with the Ten Commandments. This is God's will for how you're to live your life, right? And, uh, and in this, you know, Martin Luther, uh, uh, you know, kept the numbering of the Ten Commandments that the Roman Catholic Church had. Uh, you know, other Christians count them in a different way, which is all fine because, you know, in the Scriptures there are no numbering saying this is the first commandment and this is the second commandment. They're just given to us. Ten words from God for how to live our life. Uh, but as we count them, uh, you know, the first three commandments really have to do with our relationship with God. So if you look there on page 1160, the first commandment, you shall have no other gods. The second commandment, you shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God. The third commandment, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. All of those commandments, really properly speaking, are about our relationship with God. They are how to fulfill that first and greatest commandment that Jesus gave, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And this fleshes it out a little bit. Well, how do I do that? How do I show God love? How do I love him? In action. And and those first three commandments spell it out for us. And then as we count them, the fourth through the tenth commandments 
have to do with our relationship with each other, loving our neighbor as ourself. And, of course, our neighbor includes our enemy. It's an all-inclusive term. So when Jesus tells us, love your enemy, how am I supposed to do that? Well, we can look to the Ten Commandments. The first, uh, first one we're going to look at is the fourth commandment, honor your father and your mother. And then Luther asks, what is this or what does this mean? And he explains a little bit of, of what it looks like to honor your father and your mother. He says, we are to fear and love God so that we neither despise nor anger our parents and others in authority, but instead honor, serve, obey, love, and respect them. You know, so uh, you can see there that Martin Luther, and he does this for each of these commandments. Uh, he says we're to fear and love God, and then he gives us a negative example. Things, don't do this. If you're going to honor your father and mother, don't do this. And then he says, if you're going to honor your father and mother, he gives us a positive example. Instead, do this. So there's a, a, there's a negative and a positive. And for the fourth commandment, And he says, you know, the negative is, well, don't despise your parents, right? That's not honoring them, right? Uh, And uh, and don't anger them, right? Don't do things that are going to make your parents angry, right? That's the negative. Don't do this. And we kind of think about the commandments in in those ways, like they're a list of don'ts. Uh, But Luther really lifts up that, that there's a do and don't for all of these. And he says, instead, you want to honor your parents? Uh, honor them, serve them, obey them, love them, respect them. Now, that's, that's how we truly honor our parents. And he describes here, in keeping with church tradition, uh, that we're not just talking about parents here, but all those who are in authority over us. So teachers, principals, police officers, pastors, Right? You know, the, the, um, you know, people who are placed in authority over us, right? Government leaders, right? We honor, serve, obey, love, and respect, and we don't, we don't despise them or anger them. Keep that in mind as you vote this week. (laughs) We don't despise, right? Uh, instead we serve, obey, respect. Hmm. It's a hard word. It's a hard word. Fifth commandment, you shall not murder. This is one that was so tempting to be able to just say, check, got it, (laughs) right? Because hopefully nobody's murdered anybody today (laughs) or ever. It's so easy to think, oh, we got that. But what does this mean? Luther says we are to fear and love God so that we neither endanger nor harm the lives of of our neighbors, but instead help and support them in all of life's needs. You know, so we don't endanger them, right? This might be as simple as keeping the speed limit so that you're not driving recklessly and putting other people in danger, right? Uh, it is also doing uh, things like helping and supporting them in all of life's needs. You want to fill in the blank with that, you ask yourself, well, what are my needs? How do I want people to, to serve me? You know, what are the things that I need in life? And then you can look at your neighbor's life and you can see what are their needs. How might I respond? How might I give of myself to help them? And, uh, and this, is, this is how we are to show love for our neighbor. Yes, even for our 
enemy. Let's do one more. Let's jump to the eighth commandment. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Luther asks, what is this? What does this mean? And he explains, we are to fear and love God so that we do not tell lies about our neighbors, betray or slander them or destroy their reputations. Instead, we are to come to their defense, speak well of them, and interpret everything they do in the best possible light. We often remember this commandment as uh, thou shalt not lie. Uh, but, it, but it really is bear false witness against, which includes lying. He says don't lie about them. But it, it's so much more than just not lying. It's about not betraying them, not slandering them, right? Uh, not trying to destroy or murder their reputation, right? But to preserve their, their, their name and their honor. And, and that's what he says to come to their defense. That's the positive. Come to their defense. So when you hear people talking bad about somebody, you know, you might step in and say, hey, wait a second. Where'd you get your facts? Uh, is that true? Let's, let's not slander, uh, but let's come to defense. Let, let's speak well of. Remember, Jesus says, love your enemies. To speak well of your enemies? That's a hard one. What do your moms tell you? If you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. Well, with some, there may be some people in your life, your enemies, for whom you just have to stay silent. <laughs> right? But if you can find something good to say, we're supposed to say it. To speak well of them. That might take some digging Hmm, what can I say good about my neighbor? Yes, even that neighbor. That's what we're supposed to do to fulfill the Eighth Commandment. And this one, interpret everything they do in the best possible light. And of course, that's how we want people to treat us, right? That's to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Uh, you and I, we want to be judged by our intentions, right? Well, what did... What did I intend when I did something, when I said something? Do we extend that courtesy when we think about our neighbors? Or do we interpret it in the worst possible light? Hmm. This is a hard word for us. You can do this with all of the Ten Commandments. And in fact, Luther says that this should be a regular daily exercise that we work our way through the Ten Commandments and we think about how our life puts love into action by not doing things that harm people and by doing things that show love and help them. Jesus says, love God with your whole being, love your neighbor as yourself. And he says that they, these two laws sum up the whole thing. It's all about love. The scriptures also say that if you keep the entirety of the law but fail in just one part, you're liable to judgment. You can keep all the commandments but fail in one and you're judged. Truly, as Jesus speaks these blessings and woes today, when we remember that, we hear the woes 
striking right at our heart, don't we? How are we to love? Can anyone do this? Well, Jesus did. As he speaks these words, he is not asking us to do anything that he did not already do for us, that he would not do for us. St. Paul writes elsewhere, he writes in the book of Romans, chapter 5, he describes again love and the love of God for us. He says, for while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more surely then, now that we have been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more surely having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life. St. Paul reminds us that you and I, we were enemies of God. We didn't want anything to do with him. In fact, we put him up on the cross. Remember that? Ah, holy Jesus, to him we sing at Lent. The words are given in the text, I crucified thee. How did you and I do that? Through our sins. But he bore our sins on the cross. While we were still enemies, while we were ungodly, he died for us. Not because we were so good, but because he loved us so well. He took all of our hatred, all of our cursing, all of our unloving action. He bore it on himself as people mocked him and derided him. And he did it all out of love for you me. And all of my sin, all of your sin, he bore in his body and it died with him and it is buried in the tomb. And when he burst victorious from that tomb on the third day, that sin lay dead and buried still. And you and I who have been baptized into his death and resurrection, we have been made children of God. We are declared on account of the blood of Jesus shed for you to be forgiven without sin. And what is someone who is without sin? Well, that person is perfect. That person is holy. Indeed, that's what you and I are in Christ. We have been clothed in his righteousness so that when God looks on you, he sees Christ Jesus. He sees you and he declares you to be holy. You say, Pastor, even me? Yes, even you. Even me. Even though we sin in Christ It is forgiven. We repent and we believe 
this good news that is proclaimed to us. And so then, believing this good news, how are we to live? Well, we have the law. It guides and directs us. It shows us how to love, yes, even love our enemies as Christ loved us. And we await then with joy that day when we will be raised on that last day and we will be saints only, the sin being left behind forever. We gather around this table fed by his very body and blood and we gather together with all those saints who have gone before us And we do so in anticipation of that great feast that we will enjoy and celebrate on that last day. When with all those saints before us, we will be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And when we are gathered around that table, we will look across, and you might be, in fact, you will be, surprised by some of the people who are there. People who in this life you called enemy. But in the life that is to come, you will see as a brother, as a sister in Christ, as a fellow one for whom Christ died. So looking forward to that day, may that image guide us as we live this law of love. In Jesus' name, amen.